Just in case you didn't know, our Wednesday picnic went great, and we had great food and tubing down the river and interaction and relationship building and teamwork, and Kevin Bell lost his teeth, and David Yeomans found them in the trash bag. Aaron lost his glasses in the tube ride and banged his arm but found his glasses. Um, just a little reminder, our, uh, our facility here is pretty live during the week with um, the HCA has their summer camp and we have six weeks, six Sundays. I counted six Sundays to the big return. And the big return means school starts back and everybody starts coming in and our college students come, vacations are kind of over. But in about six weeks, can you believe that? In about six weeks, we get super busy around here with many things. And I want just a reminder uh, for you to be praying. We need to pray about school, pray for homeschoolers, Christian school, and uh, public school. And we just want to pray because there's... Our children, we love our kids, we love the kids, and God has given us a responsibility in this area, so just be in prayer for that. Just know, for those of you who don't have kids in your home at this point, for whatever reason, you're too young or too old, or whatever the reason is, um, just remember that that's big on some people's minds, and it's big on the, our heart as a church, so we just kind of want to remember all of that and uh, be engaged with people, because that's a, a huge deal in their lives, and we want to be in prayer for that. I want to begin this morning with prayer, and then we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, and we're going to be looking at the gift of encouragement and exhortation, and uh, something that I think is very vital in the life of our church, and hopefully you will uh, be blessed by what you learn this morning. Father, we thank you that we can come and sit under the ministry of the Word of God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak powerfully uh, to each individual here. Whatever someone has going on in their life, would you make it relevant, applicable, fresh, interesting, uh, and redemptive. And we pray, God, we thank you that we have taken this time on a Sunday morning to set aside this hour to give worship to our great God. And we pray that you would speak to us, God. Speak to us effectively and powerfully and speak to our hearts. May it not just be a, a head uh, lecture. Uh, uh, may it not be all content, but Father, may it drop down uh, from our heads and minds into our hearts that we would be um, convicted where it's needed, encouraged where it's needed, that we would be drawn to Christ and see His majesty and beauty and glory. We pray for your impact in our world, God. We see a lot of things going on around us. It's turbulent in many ways. In some ways, we see the mighty hand of God moving and working and seeing people come to faith in Christ. We feel the need in our own community, God. So we pray that you would equip us, prepare us, speak to us in such a way that we could go and be Christ in this world as we leave today. So equip us and prepare us for that. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the word of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So you have your handout on the uh, spiritual gift of encouragement and exhortation. And I'm going to follow my notes here pretty good. And hopefully you can follow along. And I thought if I leave these notes with you, then for those of you who are uh, note takers, you can add whatever to it that you want to. But for those who aren't note takers, I made some for you today. So 
you're going to have the rare treat of going home with something. Okay, so if we can learn to encourage and exhort one another under the guidance and blessing of the Holy Spirit, we will advance the gospel with greater power. What about that? You interested in advancing the gospel with greater power? I sure hope so. What in the world are you doing here if you're not? And therefore, if we can learn to encourage and exhort one another in the right way by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can take this spiritual gifting that probably belongs to everyone in a little way, but some people in a big way. And therefore, we're going to pray for that. The Holy Spirit wants and works to let the whole world know that Jesus Christ is God's Son who lived and died and rose again to save sinners. Jesus wants the whole world to know that, and He's equipped us as a Christian in the body of Christ with spiritual gifts that we might participate in letting the whole world know about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus so that they can come and believe in Jesus and be saved. And that's why we have this particular gift. That's why we have all the gifts. Romans 12, 4 to 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, uh, if um, grace given to us, let us use them. I think I might have mistyped that in somehow. But anyway, we'll go with it. Uh, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, that's the phrase that I especially want to uh, draw attention to. And the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So you're aware that we've been kind of doing this alphabetically Instead of taking 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, we've been kind of doing it alphabetically, and so we're looking at encouragement and exhortation. And so there is a spiritual gift of encouragement and exhortation. That's one word in the Greek, and it's the word I have in your notes there for you, parakaleo, and the para is just a prefix, which means to come alongside or alongside, beside, alongside. So para, alongside, kaleo, and it means to call or summon, and to, uh, together it means to call one, someone alongside, to summon someone to address them, to entreat them in order to comfort, exhort, instruct, admonish, strengthen. So it's to call someone in order to give them encouragement or a word that would be beneficial to help them grow in their relationship to God and better serve the kingdom of God. So in some ways it's like a, a counselor um, and a someone to exhort, but it's a little bit more personal than just teaching in a larger context. It's to edify and challenge someone. In the spiritual gift test that Peter Wagner put together, he describes it this way, the God-given special ability to serve and strengthen the body of Christ by helping others live God-centered lives through inspiration, encouragement, counseling, and empowerment. People with this gift are driven to inspire others and impact their lives positively for Christ, rejoice with those whose reliance on Christ has helped them overcome difficulty, difficult life situations, 
They seek out opportunities to help others reach their full potential in Christ. They are natural encouragers, whether in words or through actions. They rejoice at others' success. The gift of encouragement involves encouraging, motivating, counseling, consoling others so that they may mature in their walk with Jesus. Can you see how this would be helpful in the body of Christ? Can you see how this would be helpful to be one of those people who do some of this and especially be a person who receives some of this? That in the body of Christ there needs to be encouragement and challenge. Challenging words sometimes to inspire you to get going and sometimes words that uh, challenge you uh, to correct something that's going on in your life, sometimes just to inspire you to a deeper walk with God, sometimes to come along and encourage you when you've done something well to uh, inspire you to keep going in that direction. So we need to be encouraged and exhorted. Although this spiritual ability and gifting is seen through all of Scripture, I'm going to focus on the uses of this word in the New Testament. So you're probably going to faint if you look at the number of passages we're going to look at. But I don't want you to faint. I'm going to encourage you and exhort you to hang with me. Okay? I want you to take... I'm just going to, I'm just going to describe what this looks like in the New Testament. And I've taken a quite a few of the usages of this actual word, every passage I'm going to refer to has the word parakaleo in it. And I just went through and did a word search. And so I'm just going to give you some indicator of how pervasive this is in the New Testament church. The concept is all through the Old Testament as well, but the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and we're reading from the Greek New Testament or that's where I'm doing my word search. So I've isolated this word in the New Testament. But the concept's off from the very beginning of the Bible. It's in the very heart of God and the people of God. So let's take a look. It's in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 4 when Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Have you ever mourned? then you need this ministry. Do people in the body of Christ mourn? Then they need this ministry. Do God's people need it? And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, those who go through difficulty because they will be comforted. It is the will of God to comfort those who mourn. It is a vital part of missionary work and missions work. In Acts chapter 14, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, in other words, they had been out church planting, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and strengthened or exhorted the souls of the disciples, encouraging, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying that, they, that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So they went out and taught them to follow Christ and they made sure they came along to encourage and exhort them to keep going in their faith for God. Number three, it is included in the first missionary report. They come back in Acts chapter 15 and give a missionary report. report and it says, Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophet, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. So they came and they had all these pastors and elders and church leaders together. And they were so encouraged. And they used their gift of encouragement for the work of the gospel. It was basically they were coming saying, hey guys, keep going. Keep going. Listen to what God is doing. Number four, Paul and Silas did it when they got out of jail. In chapter 16, verse 40, they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, the church, they encouraged them and departed. Here are people coming out of jail 
to encourage those who didn't go to jail. You would think it'd be the other way around. You would think they're like, oh, it's okay, I'm glad you're out. You would think it would be the people that were out of jail encouraging them. It's like, okay, we were here, we were praying for you. But they had the gift of encouraging. They could turn a, what thought to be a negative situation and show what God was actively doing. Number five, all churches, all the churches needed it and God provided it. In Acts chapter 20, verse 2, it says, When we had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. So part of the missionary activity of, a, of Paul was going to different mission churches, different churches, and encouraging the people of God. Number six, individual Christians need it. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, that passage that so many of you have read before and memorized is actually an exhortation, an encouragement. I appeal to you or I exhort you, I instruct you. Paul is doing something very Christian. He's appealing to the brethren. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Number seven, churches need it to inspire prayer. In Romans 15, 30, I appeal to you or I exhort you or I beg you, brothers. He says um, to watch out for those. No, uh, by our Lord Jesus and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers on my behalf. So it's like having to exhort them and summon the church of Christ to pray. We see it in number eight, churches need it when there is division brewing. Churches have division and they need some encouragement and exhortation at times like that. And number eight, I appeal to you or exhort you. Brothers, watch out for those who call divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So you see here that the church needs the encouragement and and calling out sometimes that there was false doctrine and false doctrine is dangerous and therefore they needed someone and Paul believed it was part of his role to exhort the body of believers. Churches needed, uh, excuse me, number nine, the Corinthians needed when they were facing a church split in 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, I exhort you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And we see it number 10 in the people and churches need it when facing trials, great severe trials, like in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen to how many times God comforts them. Listen to God ministering to the church in Corinth and that's the book we're in, and that's the name of this whole larger series that we're in. It's called Messy Church because there was so much mess in the church at Corinth. And listen to him beginning the book before he begins in 2 Corinthians. He's encouraging them, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. In other words, God does this. And we need to learn to do this. The God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with we ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings that through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer our hope for you is unshaken, for we know 
that as you share in our sufferings, we also share in our comfort. So away with this notion that Christianity is all rainbows and butterflies. The people that have this view of Christianity that God wants to take away all your trials and all your afflictions and something's wrong with your faith. You have a little faith if you're enduring trials. It's the very substance and essence of Christian living in this world. It's the picture and therefore we need comforting because we're going to go through some difficult things. We're not just going to pray them all away. God's going to tell us to pray through them and to figure out what he's trying to do when we have trials in our life and what is he saying and speaking. And someone needs to come along and say, away with this notion that you're just supposed to pray everything away. It's in the trials that God is going to show his glory and power that Christians can face and endure way more than the unbeliever because of our faith. We were made for this and we were made for this so that God can reveal his glory in such times. We don't go up to someone and say, oh, don't you worry. It'll all go away. We're going to pray. And when we, we pray for deliverance, it's not that we would be delivered from every pain that would come our way. We're praying to be delivered from evil. And sometimes it might be in God's goodness that he knows that we're being pushed to the limits. And sometimes it's like, God, give me the grace to endure. I heard a missionary one time say that in America, we pray for God to take our trials away or for God to take our back pain away. And in other places, they pray, God, give me, this, give me uh, the strength to face this back pain. One's praying for it to go away and the other's praying for the strength to endure whatever would bring glory to God. You see the difference? And that takes someone to encourage us when we're going through it. We don't always just say, well, God must not be answering my prayer because I'm still going through this trial. How about saying God is answering my prayer because he's developing and strengthening my faith through this trial? The whole point is Jesus and you can face whatever. And that's the beautiful point. And sometimes we need someone to remind and encourage us when there's a theology that, tells, that is pervasive in many places that tells you something's wrong with you if you're, going, if you're in a trial. And the Bible says something's right with you if you're in a trial and Jesus is with you and he hears your prayer. If it's more than you can handle, then he will provide a way of escape. It's such a beautiful thing to know the Bible so that you can be a good encourager and comforter. Um, number 11, we need it when doing evangelism of people resisting the gospel. We need encouragement and we need this ability and skill. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. That's what we all are as Christians. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So our evangelism, we need to encourage people to come to faith in Christ. And, and we need to encourage them. Sometimes there's an exhortation involved in it. Sometimes there's a warning about what can happen if people turn away from God. There has to be words of rebuke and correction. There needs to be love and comfort and all these different ways that we're going to need to live out this gospel call upon our life. And there was a man named Titus who definitely had this spiritual gift. In 2 Corinthians 7, 6, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, 
sent Titus because Titus was good at it. And Titus was gifted and not only by his coming but also by the comfort with which he is comforted by you as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me. Have you ever been comforted by God? Did he ever do it with a person? Did God send a person into your life when you were down or you were going the wrong direction? Maybe you were off in wayward territory and someone came along and and lovingly called you back and even pointed out some things you were doing in your life and you didn't like it and you didn't appreciate it. But they lovingly called you back to obedience in Christ and they said, hey, I love you and you're making some decisions that are destroying your life and hurting people around you. Some people will get mad at you when you do that, but if the Holy Spirit is guiding you, then he will use that. And it's a gift, and and hopefully you have that kind of relationship with some people. But there are some people that are extraordinarily gifted at it, like Titus. And Titus was so good at it, Paul thought he needed to send Titus to the church because they needed that gifting. And apparently they didn't have it operative at that moment in their church, so Paul sent someone who did have it. Number 13, every Christian needs to have some of it. Finally, brethren, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, aim for restoration, comfort one another. It's like this is going on in the life of a strong church. Agree with one another, live in peace, and the, love, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Number 14, we need it when we are spiritually sliding into a bad place. Therefore, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you or I plead with you or exhort you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Number 15, God often sends someone with this gift directly to us. Ephesians 6.22, I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we how we are, and that he may encourage or exhort your hearts. Number 16, two quarreling women needed it. We've never had two quarreling women at our church, but if we ever do, in Ephesians 4, 2, it says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. It's like quit fussing, quit fighting. You're harming the church, your little quarrel, ladies, you're a little quarrel, men. Any of that going on right now? Are any of you mad at someone in the body of Christ? Are anyone upset? Are any of you grinding and fighting for your something you want and everybody's not agreeing with it and there's quarrel? Folks, I'd be shocked if it wasn't going on somewhere right now. It's always going on. There's always people at odds with one another. The devil is always working. He gets into every committee, every life group, every Bible study, every church, every music team. He's all over the place. And we need sometimes for someone comes along and says, hey, you two need to cut it out. You're destroying our worship. You're hindering the work of the gospel and your little quarrel that you don't think anybody knows about. We can see it on your face when you're in the same room together. Or every time there's a meeting and the two of you are in the same room, it's like it's a guaranteed fireworks show. And sometimes people have to be called out by the way they're treating one another in the church. 
so that the gospel can advance, so that the Holy Spirit is not grieved. Okay, um, number 17, God sent Tychicus to Colossae with it. In chapter 4, his beloved brother and faithful minister, let me see, I think I might have read that one, but anyway, so that he may encourage your hearts. Number 18, all believers needed it to reach their full potential. Look at Colossians chapter 2. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged. Like the church at Colossae needed it, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we were singing, Caleb mentioned the glory of glorification that's coming and all the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. And we need people sometimes to come alongside and say, hey man, don't give up. Don't give up, friend. Sure, you've got these struggles going on, but you need to come on. There's so much glory awaiting for us. And sometimes people need to be reminded what happens when we cross the finish line. We go into glory. Oh, we can't give up. We can't stop a mile short of the marathon. We've got to finish the race. And that's what these, uh, Paul sent Tychicus along to encourage the believers and to reach in Colossae, to reach their full potential. Number 19, it's constantly needed to advance the cause of Christ. I'm going to read some of these. Timothy, he was good at it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, I send, I'm going to send Timothy to you guys to establish and exhort you in the faith. And people need it when they lose a loved one. When there's a funeral, when someone passes away, there's a, there needs to be this gift. Some people are so gifted. If you've lost a loved one, I bet God brought someone along. I hope he did. That brought someone along that encouraged you and just said, man, I, I love you. They might not have said something profound, but their being there was profound. They might not have said some quote that, you know, C.S. Lewis wish he had written. It might be that they were just there, just said, I love you and I know you're going through some hard stuff and I don't really know exactly what to say other than I care about you and I know this is hard. And that's a gift of encouragement right there. And, and we see that it was happening and they also, we also need to be told certain biblical theological truths at times like that. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep. This is a perfect funeral encouragement word. When someone dies, take these words, these words to them. I don't want you to be an uninformed, brother. I know someone you love died. I don't want you to grieve as others who have no hope. We have hope. This was a brother or sister in Christ who passed away. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep. When, that is when believers die. Don't lose hope, brethren. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend with, from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. And then listen to this. Encourage one another with these words. 
this is the ministry of the body of the early church encouraging one another when someone died. Someone in their church body died and they took these very words. He said, encourage one another with these words. Jesus is coming, the trumpet will sound and we'll be there together entering into the glory of that moment when Christ returns. And that's what we get to tell our fellow beloved breathers. I know you're going to miss them. I know with all your heart you're going to miss them. But let me tell you and remind you what you and I believe. Because when my, when my friend died, you gave these words to me. I'm firing them back to you. And may God lift you up with these words. Jesus is coming and we're going to be there with him. And whoever it was passed away, is already, they already crossed the road and they're already there waiting for us and we're going to meet them together. Isn't that encouraging? You see how Christians have this gift to encourage one another even when someone dies, even in the face of death? What does the world have to offer at a time like that? 23, churches need leaders who are good at it. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, We ask you, brothers, respect those who labor among you in the Lord and admonish you. It's like the, the leaders have a responsibility to admonish, to encourage, and even to exhort the body of Christ and to esteem them highly in their love because of their work. Be at peace among you. Number 24, those who are spiritually idle and weak need someone to come to them with this gift. And number 24, I urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Folks, there's always idle people in the church of Christ. There's always someone who's in a lull. There's always someone who's lagging behind. We all have pits and times and seasons in our life where we lose focus and we get pulled. And, and you know, there are no superheroes who don't need this. And sometimes people, instead of getting mad at people, and people are like, man, so-and-so's really slacking. How about saying so-and-so, I miss them. And I want to encourage them. And Lord God, if you have some friends right now in our church who are missing lately, then how about begin praying for them and asking God, Lord, is there something I could do? Could I have this kind of ministry to my dear brother and sister in Christ? They're going through a hard time. I don't even know the details. The mere fact that they're not here probably tells me that they're going through something. And guess what Satan does when we're down? He kicks us. And it's terrible when Christians start kicking too. It's terrible when someone down Satan's kicking them and then the next thing you know, the Christians are kicking them. When someone comes back to church and hadn't been here for a while, please don't go, well, it's about time. Man, where you been? My, your kids have grown six inches since you were here last. Well, maybe they have, but how about saying, man, it's good to see you. I'm so excited. Man, what's been up in your life? And that's what we can do. Encourage the faint-hearted Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Number 25, it is needed to confront false teachers and false teaching. 1 Timothy 1.3, I urge you or exhort you when I was going to Macedonia that you may charge or exhort certain persons not to teach any different doctrines. Sometimes we're going to have to call someone out if they're teaching something that's harmful. We need, to, we need it to challenge us in prayer. Ministers and preachers and teachers need it. We especially need it in these last days. It is a requirement for elders in Titus 1.7. Older people need to give wise counsel to younger people. 
I'm going to tell you, we live in a day that's being told that younger people have everything to say. We live in a day where people idolize what 16-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 21-year-olds, but the Bible says there's wisdom in gray air. And our culture idolizes youth. But youth is not the same thing as wisdom. And may it be that in the church of Jesus Christ, we honor those who are older and those who've walked a mile or two. And just because someone's young and athletic and good looking doesn't mean we need to create a following for them because that's dangerous. It's a wonderful thing. Praise God for the young people who do have something to say. Bless the Lord, oh my soul when some young people are getting at it, but it's because they're listening to the wisdom of those who've gone before them. And so we want to uh, see that kind of need. And older people, don't believe, don't believe our culture. You have something to tell us, and we want to listen. Those who are falling away need this. We need it so we might persevere to the end. I can't do this without mentioning Hebrews 10, 23. Through 25, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. How? With this gift. How are we going to stir each other up? Someone needs to stir me up. I am appreciative there are people in this room who stir me up. There's people that come along and say, how you doing, or what's going on, or why did you say this, or... Um, man, I notice this going on in your life right now. Or there's people that just say thank you and they encourage me with a note. I got a note this week. I got, you, I get notes all the time. Most of them are nice. <laughs> but some people come along and they just so encourage me and say thank you for saying that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for this. And I'm like humbled. <clears throat> and so we do this in the body of Christ to encourage one another. So much, sore, so much more as you see the day drawing. Okay, and then churches need it, um, leaders need it to fulfill their assignment. Churches need it to stay true to the scripture and not to stray, stray from truth. Jesus embodied it and modeled it and Barnabas practiced it and lived it. Okay, so here's our conclusion. Christians with this gift often have an unusual sensitivity for, are attracted to, and can easily spot those who are discouraged or struggling. As a result, people tend to come to them for healing words, gracious truth, and compassionate counsel. And those, these people tend to have a high degree of patience when working with others and have optimism that others can, by God's grace, make great strides in their spiritual health. So here's the question. I know I've thrown a lot at you. Here's what I want you to ask yourself. Do you have this gift? I think everyone has it in some measure. Like everyone has faith in some measure, every Christian. But then there's the gift of faith. That's an extraordinary measure. But I'm wondering that some of you actually have it in a larger portion. You've been given an abundance. Do people seek you for advice and encouragement? Do you enjoy walking with someone through difficulties? Are you attracted to those who are hurting and needy? Are you patient with people? Do you find it easy to see something positive in what might be doing, what God might be doing when others suffer or struggle? 
Are you willing to address an uncomfortable issue with someone in order to address an issue that is harming their walk with God or disrupting fellowship with others? Those would be indicators that maybe you have a larger measure. And if you have this gifting, then I want to encourage you to be constantly in prayer, to constantly pray for God to guide you to others with whom you can encourage in their walk with God. I want to encourage you to constantly study God's Word and make sure that you're basing your counsel upon Scripture. And I would encourage you to make sure that you have a relationship with a spiritual leader who can also counsel and encourage you and make sure that you're not giving bad or unbiblical counsel. In other words, healthy encouragers and exhorters need themselves to be connected to healthy encouragers and exhorters. We need people around us. No one is... um, at such a level that they don't need that as well. Be careful of someone who wants to give you advice, but they're never listening to advice. And um, number six or number five, number four, be much in prayer and attentive to the great counsel of the Holy Spirit. They have to walk closely to God if you're going to counsel others. Constantly pray against pride and the idea that you're better than someone else. If your counsel is coming as you're better than them, then you're not counseling the way that God would have you to. You're just a know-it-all or someone who tries to fix everyone because you think you know the answer. That doesn't help anyone and that doesn't encourage anyone. And never imagine that you are the one who can fix other people. If any good comes from your word, it is due to the Holy Spirit and the glory belongs to God. So I want to say this lastly. If we're going to practice this gifting in our church, we're going to also have to practice opening up and sharing in transparency within the context of loving community. And so I want you to pray as we close with two things. I want you to pray for God to give you a heart to speak, that is to give counsel, and a heart to hear or receive the ministry of encouragement and exhortation. So as we're going to close, I want you to be asking yourself, Lord, am I in a position that I should speak something to someone? Am I to give counsel? I've been avoiding it or maybe not looking for it and ask God, what could I do with this gifting of mine? And then also ask God, do I need to hear counsel? Is there something going on in my life? And I've I've pushed people away that might actually say something about this issue in my life. And therefore, to give or to speak and to hear. The last thing I want to say, does this message inspire anyone to become a Christian today? Would you like to have God as your personal counselor, friend, savior, comforter, guide, and protector? And Jesus died on the cross to be everything you will ever need in this life and for eternity. In John 1, 12 to 13, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Do you need to speak or hear counsel? And do you need to go to Christ today to be born again and to ask him into your heart to forgive you of your sins and become your counselor. Father, thank you this day for all that you do for us. Thank you for your 
counsel to us. Thank you for loving us so deeply. And thank you that this is a ministry, a gifting, a spiritual gifting that we pray would be more operative, more obvious in our church. And I just pray, Father, that those who have this special gifting would be very active in using this for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.